moving your career further faster. That's the mission behind Cascading Leadership. Each week, we're bringing you stories of women, immigrants, members of the global majority who have risen to the ranks of senior leadership in the world of business. Get ready to gather the insights of some of the world's best business leaders and apply those to your career. If you're interested in sales and marketing effectiveness, organizational effectiveness, talent strategy, DEI, or HR tech, tune in. We're going to share with you what they don't teach you in business school. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Cascading Leadership, the show. My name is Lawrence Brown, your executive reading and research coach. Today, Jim cannot be with us. He is taking care of his minions. He's on daddy duty, but he is here in spirit. Our guest is Elaine Armstrong. She is the vice president at Goodwill North Georgia. I would like for Elaine to introduce herself. Hello, Abby. Thank you for having me on. Hate that we're, I'm going to miss Dr. Jim, but I had a chance to chat with him earlier as we were preparing. So it's good. It's good to join everybody today. I'm excited about the conversation. I will tell you, I'm going to sneak one thing in on you though. Abby. So the one thing Jim told me to do when I got on here is uh, to flash something that was going to make you mad. I don't even know if I should even I, do because of why would I, I, I know. So I brought a little mug <laughs> with me. It is from my alma mater. You know, I, I you had a, one of my good friends on the show, and she's a more of a diehard, usually like football fan. Yes. I'm super lightweight. So I brought my Grady College of Journalism and Mass Communication, but it does uh -huh. refer to Georgia's product yes. placement here. <laughs> you would be referring to Tessa. I would. Who, oh my gosh, I have never met a bigger Georgia fan. Although I will say that right now I'm not quite happy about Roll Tide because there's just been some controversies with the with the coach and. Yeah. That's quite disappointing, but I'm still a diehard fan and I must bow because they did win this year. So that's okay. Uh, it's okay. We, don't, we haven't won that many times. So yeah, let us have this one. Yep. I cannot argue with that. As is customary with our show, what I would like to do is start with learning a little bit more about Elaine and your formative years. And we call it the origin story because Jim and I comic book fans, but I think it's I think it's pretty appropriate and I think it's important for us to hear. So if you could start with that and tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So way back when, I grew up in California. I actually live in Georgia now. That's Goodwill of North Georgia is where I work, but grew up in California and grew up with my sister, her younger brother. I was always a really good student in school. I don't think if you would ask my parents, I gave them too much trouble. Being a middle child, so there's always some interesting things that comes along with that, but I don't think I gave too much trouble. But I always loved to read. I was all, still am an introvert. A lot of people don't know that about me, but my energy comes from internally versus people. I've been paid. I tell everybody all the time, I've been paid to talk my entire professional career at some form or other. Unlike a lot of introverts, I'm okay with this. This is cool for me. What happens is usually after I do something like this, then I gotta, then I gotta regroup and get my energy back up. But grew up in California, I moved to the South when I was in high school. So that was really interesting. Making that adjustment at that time of my life and moving away from friends, having to build new friends, but then also those last four years, which are super important into what you're going to do in your career. So I moved to the South, met some great friends along the way, one of which you had on your show not that long ago, great friend of mine I met in high school. We ended up going to the same college, University of Georgia, and I majored in journalism. I always loved to write. 
Um, reading was a thing for me, but someone had told me, hey, you should be in front of the camera. This is, I feel like you've got whatever it takes to do this. And it wasn't just that, it was more so my love and passion for writing was what sparked that. So I went into the broadcast journalism program, absolutely loved it, learned that Georgia had one of the best programs for broadcast news in the country. So it was great that I was in a great place for that. Went to do TV news for a while in South Georgia. So not only did I move to the South and then four, four years later, moved to South of the South. So that was interesting making that adjustment, but I would not trade it for the world. My scrappiness as a general assignment order, just meeting people, having to enterprise stories, having to negotiate, having some interesting conversations. One standout that I was with a KKK member and in, in interviewing him in front of the camera, that was real interesting. Had some great opportunities there and really decided, hey, I love this. I love what I do. I love the skill sets that I'm homing, but what do I want to do? What do I want to do next with this? And if you know anything about the journalism business, you have to, you basically have to move all around. And so at that point, I was a single mom. I became a single mom very early, too early, in fact, but had a great village and support system around me that helped me raise my daughter, but I was not willing to trek her around the country just to move up in my career. I was trying to figure out how I could press and not have to do that and decided to consider PR because the skill sets were very similar in what I was going to do. Found my job on monster.com. That probably tells you a little bit how old I am, or at least in the age range. Found my job on Monster and 16 years later, here I am, had an opportunity to work my way up to vice president of marketing for Goodwill. And I just enjoy what I do. I think there are a couple of things. One that I wanted to share is actually my undergraduate degree is in journalism. So I do know about the University of Georgia's program. It's, it is an outstanding one. And so I was, as I was thinking, as I was listening to what you were saying, it resonated with me about being, I spent a good amount of my time having been in sales, being yeah. someone that you're constantly on stage is what I call it. I'm a, I am an intense introvert actually, and do appreciate exactly what you were saying about needing that time to just recharge without any sort of stimulation and folks around you. But I'm proud to say that I think that we're both examples for introverts and for demystifying yes. what an introvert is and people yes. thinking that we're just these people that are shy and we stay away from others. I did want to touch on a couple of things about your, as you were describing how you grew up, uh, there were two that stood out. And mm -hmm. so one is that as you were, you said you started off as a mom a little too early, as you said, how did that impact overall? Of a huge part of that, I would say. Again, I grew up in a family that was very supportive. I had an older sister who was really good scholar. So there was a little bit of, okay, I got to follow in her footsteps or at least try to beat her. So there was a little bit of competition there, but just friendly competition. I became a parent literally right after I graduated. So there was, and for me, that's too early. One has their own decisions and life path to make. But for me, it was an early decision that I'm proud that I made, but shouldn't have had to made. I will say that. And it made a huge difference in my life. Me wanting to set an example for and not to be looked at as, okay, here's another student who could have been. 
or I saw something and, oh my God, now her path is different. And I did not want that to be a reflection of me. Absolutely. That was part of the grind that I had. That was part of the me continuing on with my college career, ensuring that I was going to finish and not only finish, but finish at a very high level. But it also, it was tough. There, there were times where, you know, I'm taking my daughter to college with me, worked during college. So not only was I full-time student, full-time mom, but, it was, but I worked part-time. So that created challenges. But for me, I think that is hugely a part of my story. And one that, because for those who know me, they know that story really well. For a lot of people, they knew I had a daughter and they're like, oh my God, you're too young to have a daughter. But then that's where my story would stop. And just recently, I would say in the last couple of years, I've really embraced me being courageous and telling that story of me being a single parent and how that formed who I am because there was just a lot of, I don't know, I don't know if the shame is the right word, but it was almost like I, I made a mistake. I was like, I don't want to tell that part of my story. That's a huge part of my story, though. That's what makes me who I am. And I am, I'm proud to say that I have a great daughter. She's amazing. And I have all the people around to thank for raising her to help. It takes a village. I totally believe that. But it also has made me a stronger person. And so there are things that would happen in my life or things that happen in my career that I am I'm like, hey, you know what? I did this over here. I can breeze through this because I've had my hands and juggling things for a long time. But also I can speak to other moms and there's so many things that come, particularly in career and workforce that come with being a parent. Like Jim's not here with us because he's doing his most important job. He's being with his kids and balancing that, having to make the decision and when you're, what time you're going to clock in, what time you're going to clock out, how many projects you're going to take. Are you going to be at the game? You might, my daughter cheered. She tennis throughout high school. So am I going to matches or am I going to this meeting? Like that is making those decisions and being conscious about it are so many things that come with being a parent. And then you add on all the layers of intersectionality that we have with that being a young black single mom, that that comes with a whole lot of other things too. And so you're just navigating those things as well. We talked about this a little bit before the show started that one of the things that I think that we've that we have gleaned as hosts, and I hope that our audience has done the same, is all these different stories that we hear help to empower us. And I think the way that you approached your life, I hope is encouraging to the folks that it will impact in a way that embrace who you are, embrace what your challenges have been, and use them as a tool to be that catalyst, at least what I'm hearing from you that I take away from it. And think that's important. The other question that caught, the other statement that you made that caught my attention was you having done the interview with the, with the KKK. So I want to hear a little bit about that because I think that might be interesting. And then we'll segue into how you got to where you are today and then that journey up the ladder. What I will tell you is interesting, but it's uneventful, but eventful when you say it. So there was a story that we were doing and we had a call at the news station that there was a crowd of people that were across from a courthouse who were 
protesting the KKK member who was protesting in front of the courthouse. And apparently, as I tried to recall the story so many years ago, that he had gotten a permit to set up a little table there in front and hand out materials right in front of the courthouse about joining the KKK and what they were all about. And so there were a group of citizens who were in that town and obviously Black people. And I think there were a couple of white people who were there too, but just, hey, what is this? Why? How did he even get a permit to do this in front of the courthouse in the main middle of town? And so it was getting a little contentious and somebody called the news station. The photographer and I go over there. We start talking to the crowd of citizens who were there, just getting their take on what they were feeling. And again, their anger, their questions were coming from, how did this happen? How is he allowed to get a permit to do this right in front of the courthouse? He's flashing Confederate flags. He's got K all over thing. And as people are driving by, they have kids in the neighborhood like this. Why is this happening? So that's where their anger, their outrage, their questions were coming from. And we could have left the story there. That could have been the story. And then we did try to go into the courthouse, ask, hey, did he get a proper permit? Was this okay? Was everything checked the boxes? But then I think it was the photographer who I was with said, we should just talk to him. And I was like, are you sure about that? He's also happened to be a black male. So I'm I don't know. And it, and it wasn't a group of KKK members. It was just this one guy. So I think we felt relatively safe that we could do this and that we wouldn't get into anything that would be physical. When you're reporting a story and you're putting a camera in somebody's face, there comes challenges and we always have to be on guard anyway. We decided to roll over to where he was at because there were, so it was, if you can think of a city block and there was like a square, one corner of the square and then the diagonal corner of the square was where this guy had set up. We drove over there, get out of the car and I'm going to say gingerly walk up to him. We didn't rush him or anything. You walk up to him and I will tell you, he was very polite. He did not call us names. He was very adamant about why he was there and what he thought was important and what he wanted to get out. But he said, hey, I'm here legally. Nobody told me to run off. I'm, yeah, you know, and so we had a, I don't pleasant's the right word, but there was a very cordial log with this individual. And I think me taking, if I had to take anything from that lesson, obviously you say, hey, you interviewed a member of KKK. People are like, oh my God, let me tell them. There's got to be some like juiciness to that. What I take from it is, there was a conversation that was had. And that took one courage for us to do that, but also being able to, let me just understand why you're here and what you're trying to do versus I, I know what you're all about. I know what the images are about. I, taking all of that and not necessarily putting it aside, but not putting it front of mind and being willing and able enough to have a conversation. And I think that for me, when we talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, when we talk about belonging, when we talk about how we're going to heal as a society, and there's so many things that are happening now, but when you approach a conversation like that with just seeking to understand first, that was, I think that made all the difference because we could have, he was, he already knew what, probably what we were thinking. And he had also been on guard himself because he had a crowd of people. He was one man. He had a crowd of people across the street from him who were getting pretty rowdy. Cars were passing by, honking and all this kind of stuff. He could have easily been angry and spewed hate at that moment, but he didn't. And I, I think that is what I always take from that situation is that calmness in which you approach the conversation, but also 
seeking to understand first. I think it's a brilliant assessment. We talk about this oftentimes about the idea that people sometimes are seemingly fearful of having a conversation with someone across the aisle as though they were, they're going to be infected by whatever the other person is saying. And I think that there are vantage points that we do need to listen to a number of reasons. I think the conversation that you had could have given you perspective that you may not have had before, could give you signs that you should look for because you are having a cordial conversation and sometimes you get information that you wouldn't otherwise necessarily get by making an assumption exactly and getting being able to learn from that so yeah that i think that's that is scintillating for me i think that it wasn't something that was incendiary i think that being able to pull that experience out is awesome now you talked about the primary reason that you decided not to stay in journalism was the moving around that you have to do which is absolutely true as you decided not to move around tell us about your journey to goodwill i went to school for journalism and if you know anything about the university of georgia where the journalism program is set up, at least when I was there, they every time I go back, it's, they built like 10 other buildings and I can't find my way around. But it was in the basement of a building that had no windows, which is generally what a newsroom looks like. <laughs> Anybody who's never been in a newsroom, you get a real fancy one where you have natural light. That's actually great, but it's, it was in the basement. And so I spent a lot of time in the basement, but on the upper floors were the other majors that were PR majors and advertising majors. And I had actually not engaged with those. And I will tell you, if anybody is listening and you have a young person or you are a young person, you're in college, I'm just gonna throw a little hack out there for you before. If you are working in journalism or PR or studying journalism or PR, please get out of your circle and meet the journalists, meet the PR people, meet the journalists and students. I did not do that and I wish I had because I would have learned and had a little bit of a leg up in my role that I took afterwards. But I ended up going into public relations after that and found my job on Monster. The job description literally said they were looking for somebody with marketing experience, public relations experience, or journalism. And I was like, oh, I got that part. Like I got, I've got that part. I don't know all of that. Look, I've interviewed a lot of PR people. I've engaged with them on the other side of the camera. I pretty much can think about what they do, but I haven't done it before. But this says I got a journalism spirit, so I'm going to take that and run with it. And the person who ended up hiring me, he had also worked at another Goodwill before and had hired a former journalist who had worked in that market. So he knew that those skills were durable and how easy that they could be translated into that. I had, I started as PR manager, so where I got hired. I was at that point, the only marketing communications related person on staff, because the person who hired me happened to actually be a consultant for Goodwill. So he wasn't even on the team, which I will say was an interesting part. He actually didn't even live in the state of Georgia. (laughs) He lived in Berlin and spent time in Sarasota. So I met my boss at the interview and then I would see him every so often, but email him and spent time with him on the phone. But I will tell you that also, I feel like helped me get to where I am a little bit differently and maybe even a little faster, in my opinion, than had I had someone there with me every single day. Reason I say that is because he wasn't there. So when I needed to talk to the CEO or the other executives, he's you're there on the floor. You've got to go talk to them. You need to make these relationships. Like, yeah, but I'm a manager. Like I'm not even a director yet. You are it. So you need to go and engage with these individuals, get the information that you need so that you can do the job that you have. 
that gave me a lot of confidence being able to do that. It wasn't, again, this is my second real job after college and I'm dialoguing with the CEO of an organization. And so I think that definitely helped me figure out how I could navigate building relationships with people who have different titles and just putting all, and he was very supportive in that. Don't play office politics. Don't, no, I don't care about what your title is. You are the person. I was also playing the role of spokesperson. So I needed to engage with all, I needed to learn their businesses. And I feel like that gave me, gained me a lot of respect with those individuals that I probably would not otherwise have had and helped me establish myself as one of those go-to people, one of those people who had institutional knowledge because I had to gain it. That's what I had to do. So a couple of years after that, ended up thankfully getting promoted. I had a dotted line to the VP of HR because he was the person who signed off on my timesheet. He was the person who was there on the ground. He became a great mentor of mine. I still talk to him. He's retired now since, but he's a great, not only spiritual mentor, but career mentor for me. And then after that, we did end up hiring from a, an individual who was on our board. He ended up being our first vice president of marketing. Great boss, great person to encourage me. And he wanted to become a CEO. And so he ended up vacating his position, but he had told me years before, you can do this job. Like this job is not, like you've got all the chops to do this and encouraged me to go after it. And I did when he left and ended up getting the position there. But again, I feel like my path wouldn't have been the way it was if I didn't come in the way that I did. I had to learn all of the things about marketing communications. And I was a journalist. I always tell people, I didn't know how to fill out an expense report until I got there. I was like, what do you mean I can expense things back? Like, where what does that mean? So there were simple, just like business things that I was unaccustomed to because working in a newsroom, you're, it's a totally different industry and role. And yeah, I feel like that definitely gave me a leg up, whatever you want to call it, built the blocks of how my leadership was stacked up because I had to, there wasn't another go-to person on the ground. And so when you don't have it, you build it. And when you don't see it, you make it. And so that's what I did. The lesson from that is not to be afraid of the opportunity. Oh, yeah. And another important call out is that, as you talked about your, the leader that retired and the person that was still there is also this whole idea and notion around people who are saying, Hey, you actually can do these things because sometimes we have to get out of our own head in order to, and out of our own way in order to move. And people help us to do that. They have a genuine interest in our career, a genuine interest in us as human beings and wanting yes. to be successful. What are some of the things that you've seen in terms of the mission and vision of Goodwill and its alignment to the outcomes that you seek to achieve? So a lot of people, I always have to start because my, my background's in PR, so I got to give you the Goodwill spill for a second. People know about when you say Goodwill, you think donating, you think of Goodwill stores. That's absolutely what Goodwill is, like to its core. What the outcome of that is, it's a means to an end to do the workforce development that we do. And there are 150 some odd different Goodwills across the country. We happen to be one of the large, but our mission is to put people to work. Literally, that's our mission statement is to put people to work. And so you might think, hey, that means putting people to work in Goodwill stores or donation centers. And it does, but primarily it means 
connecting people to jobs outside of Goodwill. That is really what we do. And our Goodwill, at our Goodwill, we have 69 retail stores. We have an additional 50 some odd separate donation centers where you just only donate. And then we have another team, Career Center. And it is, when you think of Career Center, think of what first thing that comes to your mind. If you've been to a Career Center on your college campus, or you've been to a Department of Labor Career Center, similar in that anyone can go in and walk into one of those centers. Stir as a quick little process use our computers to look up jobs, to search for jobs, to put together a resume, to go through some training, to interview with an employer who might be on site, to do mock interviews, the whole nine. We have job postings there. Then we also have an additional set of programs that are designed to help whether you're a veteran or your youth, or you are a woman who wants to go in highway construction, or you want to learn how to be a welder, or you want to learn technology and go into a career in technology. So we have some of those programs that are set up for that, that are going to go over a few weeks of time. We even have an entrepreneurship program for micro entrepreneurs who come in and maybe they've been running a business, it's, maybe it's a side hustle, and they want to take that business to the next level. Maybe they do or don't have a business plan. We'll help them write one, get access to capital and help them go on their way with their business. And lots of programs for that, but that comes, those jobs, that support, all of that comes from those jeans, those books, those household items that you're donating because we're turning those into dollars to support those programs. And every single year, we're putting upwards of 15 to 25,000 people into jobs. So we're connecting them to work through our programs and services. And they're going to work at places like Home Depot. They're going to places like Accenture. They're going to places like Amazon. They're also going to your local mom and pop shop. Maybe it's the pizza place around the corner. Maybe it's the local nursery. Maybe they're a person who's starting or growing their own business and they did cookie dough out of their home. Or maybe they are crochet artists and they make hats and make handbags. Whatever it is, we are helping those individuals to get to a place where they're answering one of the questions that we all answer every single day and don't even think about it is, what do you do? Who are you with? And when you can answer that and you feel confident in that, that changes the game. And so that's one of the things that appealed to me as coming in from coming in as a journalist and then seeking a role at a nonprofit, particularly at Goodwill, just because I didn't know about the mission when I started. What I knew about Goodwill was that my dad liked to shop there and spent too much money in the store, basically. And, it, and I wanted nothing to do with secondhand buying used stuff coming up as a kid. I was like, I don't know. We gave we, I remember Saturday mornings when we would clean up and my mom would say, hey, we're taking all this extra stuff to Goodwill. We did, we were donors. My dad was a shopper, but I was like, I'm not into that. And then when I found this job and saw what the job description was, I was like, I can absolutely do that. I can transfer these skills. But my, like many of my colleagues at Goodwill, we did not know the gambit of what we do to serve the people that we do. And why it appealed to me was just because, again, it's helping those folks answer that question about what they do, but then also helping them, somebody did me, giving me an opportunity to feed my child, to make a living, and to do something that I love. Tune in next time for the conclusion of our conversation with Elaine Armstrong. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cascading Leadership. We hope you enjoyed the story as much as we did. Make sure you subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast player. Follow us on YouTube, TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, reach out to me at jim at cascadingleadership.com. 
Tune in next time for another great episode that will help you move your career further faster.